Retro Rebel Gamecast episode 36 is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook and 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Toddcast. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, or MP3 player. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics for you, the listeners. Retro Rebel is released every week, almost every week, most weeks, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or Stitcher. You can even find us on Facebook, at Temple of Geek, for exclusive content and see what else we're up to. I always mess this part up. It's like I don't, it's like, uh... Because I remember we were going to change this part. Because um, my name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow fellow rebel host Amanda. Is that sufficient? I think that's sufficient. Okay. I don't think anybody's going to get mad about that. Okay. Well, it was it was you. I wanted to make sure I was that was okay with that. So. Oh my God! Look at this toothpaste flavor. Can you read that? What is that? It say? says seductive mint gel. Well, I would buy that. That doesn't actually sound like I mean, toothpaste. I don't know, but I'm buying it. You should. <laughs> I don't even need toothpaste, but I need whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> well, my name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow rebel host who is taking us on a road trip, Amanda. Yes, we're in a grocery store. Hello. We are in a grocery store. <laughs> if you can't see, we are in England. Well, she is. I am vicariously uh, going through England, uh, shopping for groceries. We've just got toothpaste that was seductively named, literally. Yeah, literally. Seductive. Mint gel, that's what it's called. I don't Seductive even know what gel. that means. I mean, is that supposed to? I don't know. To... Yeah. It's provocative, though. It gets the people going. It does. You brush your teeth and something is going to happen. Uh, I mean, you'll be seductive. That's what we all want. You, it yeah. is what we all want. And uh, I guess it's uh, worth a try. Well, I was going to ask you what you've been up to, but I think I can see. <laughs> Well, I think the more pertinent question is, what are we playing? That is true. What are we playing? What have you been playing lately? So, we are on uh, section two of our three-part mission to explore strange new worlds. No, um, to <laughs> uh, to enjoy the uh, Bioshock series. So, we finished Bioshock 1, and we're going to be going for uh, Bioshock 2. Uh, we just started Bioshock 2, so, nice. and, uh, in honor, I am, I am appropriately themed today with our new Would, Would You, you kindly, kindly t-shirt, you know, Very nice. had to have that, so, well played. we're appropriate theme, um, and yeah, it, you know, it, it looks really good, it performs really well on the Xbox One, um, and I'm, I'm just super enjoying it right now, it's literally everything you know, that I would want. Well, I guess that's good. Uh, and you have finished Bioshock 2 before, right? Yeah, I've okay. played I've, Yeah, I've played Bioshock 2. Okay. I now, just haven't played Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, we're working our way to Bioshock Infinite, one of my favorite games of all time. Exactly. And, you know, you uh, inspired me. Well, <laughs> I, I do, and you know, and I've set the bar pretty high, so uh, I expect there to be a level of disappointment. I'm not sure to which degree, but um, 
but it was it was one uh, that I, I'm actually very excited to hear uh, what your thoughts are when you do fa- finally get to that point and finish that game. Well, uh, for me, I haven't played anything new, but I can tell you what, Cuphead is hard as shit. Is uh, it? Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. I mean, it's 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 so much fun. Uh, it's probably the most fun I've had playing a platformer in a in a long time. Maybe since. I, I can I can honestly say since Mario Brothers or Super Mario Three, it's the most fun I've had playing a platformer. the The best part is is they've got this magical. Uh, I guess that's the best way I can explain it. Um, the duration of all of the levels is about two minutes, and I know I believe I said this on the last podcast, but because they're so short and even the boss fights are not that long, if you lose, you don't feel completely defeated because there are no midway points on there's no checkpoint you if you die you start over so right uh and and uh you can upgrade your character to make it a little bit easier but it's interesting when you get an upgrade sometimes it makes some of your other skills worse so you have to really figure out how to balance like if you want an extra heart which means you can get hit an extra time it makes your gun weaker so there's a trade-off for having more health and, uh, anyway, it's, it's, um, I, I'm not very far in it. I think I'm like, I've finished like 15% of the game. Um, and like you can proceed where you actually complete a level, but you have to, there is no hard and easy mode. There is regular, the regular mode is the mode that you have to complete all the boss fights to get the actual contract for the devil. If you don't get the contract right. for the devil... Then you don't finish the game. You you don't get your soul back. And that's that's the that's Not the general happy. premise. Yeah. So. So I've been playing that, uh, and I've been playing Hearthstone. Uh, that is my mobile game of choice. The game that that'll probably be. Uh, I mean, as long as they continue to put content out for for Hearthstone, I'll play that game forever. It's it's. Is it uh, good on mobile? Yeah, actually, it is really good on mobile. So. Mobile. 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 <laughs> yes, it is good. Um, it is a little bit different than it is on the computer, but actually, I kind of prefer to play it if I've got a good connection. I prefer to play it on my phone uh, than the computer, just because <laughs> in this day and age of multitasking and being productive, uh, <laughs> I have to I have to be doing something else, so I can't be sitting at the computer playing, uh, you know, playing a card game. Uh, and the way that I play, I'm a tempo, a tempo mage, which means nothing to you right now, I'm sure. But and and he doesn't. I know. <laughs> and I really only play mage, so I'm sure that that would get some hate as well from listeners. But I only play mage, and I, I've got a dragon mage deck um, that I really love to play, even if it's not the best deck out there. Uh, but I love it because there's a lot of strategy to it. Uh, and I like dragons. Dragons are kind of badass. And so anytime I get an excuse to play with as many dragons in my deck as possible, I don't, can that quote be taken out of context? Uh, probably. <laughs> Meh. You know, anytime I get to play with as many dragons as possible in my deck, uh, <laughs> then I, you know, I want to do that. So, uh, and some of my matches have taken like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, so. 
But it's uh, I do I love it's that a game. long time. It is a long time, uh, but it's a lot of strategy. And I was telling somebody the other day, uh, I was just talking about Hearthstone and that uh, it's it's definitely much simpler than Magic: The Gathering in terms of like the mechanics. You don't have a whole lot of resources to deal with. You don't have the four elements or whatever. But what you do have is a very complex series of moves that you have to make dependent upon your partner or whoever you're playing against your opponent. So if you make a wrong move in the beginning of the, of the match, there's an excellent chance that it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to lose. Like you may, you may hang around and if they make a mistake, you might win. But if you don't counter properly, exactly the way that you're supposed to based on your opponent, you'll lose. And you can, that can happen very early in the match. And so, uh, I, I think that's that's something I li- literally recently just figured out. So, um, but anyway, so that's that's what I've been playing uh, those two games, and uh, there are some new games coming out which I'd like to get to in our first topic of news. Dun, 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 dun. News. News. So gaming news. Is there any gaming news? Uh, well, just news in general. Like one thing I wanted to point out is: Have you seen the preview for the new Mutants movie? No, I don't even know what that is. Well, let me tell you about it. The New Mutants is kind of an offshoot of the X-Men. And it was a comic book, and I believe it started in the 90s, and I, I'm not sure exactly. I'd be lying if I told you who started it. But it, there are a lot of McFarlane-esque drawings in it. Uh, right. It, it was a comic I didn't necessarily follow a lot, but it was one that Deadpool was featured in significantly. Um, the, the New Mutants are very dark. Lots of demons, lots of spirits, lots of um, darker spiritual magical themes in it. Uh, Fox owns it, so they can actually do and deal with the uh, the whole mutant thing. So you've got a lot of mutants in it. They can actually refer to them. And the interesting thing about this preview is that this is the first time that you've got a Marvel movie that may actually be a horror movie. So this will... Yeah, I know. A superhero movie. I'm sorry. Did yes. you miss? Well, the premise from what I've seen is you've got the New Mutants, which are all you know adolescents, you know young adults, and uh, they're in an asylum, and they're being treated by a doctor. One of the mutants has the power to turn your worst fears against you, and that's her power in the book, in the comic book. Um, and so you see a lot of these dark asylum themes um all but it's obviously a hospital for mutants but it's made to look like an asylum and so any asylums are the most terrifying things to me i think Uh, that's that's probably this my scariest anything i can think of is an asylum especially one that's dark and full of crazy people with superpowers so but it it looks really good. Uh, well, at least I, I it looks really interesting. I can't tell if it looks really good. Um, but uh, I think you should check it out just to see what you think. I'm not a horror movie buff. We this has been discussed, you know, ad nauseum. It, we I am not a horror fan at all. Uh, but this kind of piqued my interest because it's you know it's it's superheroes and uh, it has a different edge and I'm familiar with the material. So I figured that you might at least be interested in checking out the, the trailer. Yeah, you got me hooked sufficiently. Good. Well, good. We'll check it out, and, and it's supposed to be tied to Deadpool's universe, so 
More Deadpool is always good. The next thing I wanted to discuss uh, in news, gaming news, is the loot box concerns. Um, this has been a recurring theme. Now, and specifically with with Battlefront. So, EA has come out and they're, you know, recently they had the beta for uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2. They, they released these loot boxes that you could actually, that, that give you random loot that are upgrades and emotes and all kinds of stuff. But the issue is, is that the loot box are random and you can buy them with, with actual money. So, but aren't they still random even when you spend actual money? So you've got no chance of actually like completing a set or anything like that. Not, yeah, exactly. And the most powerful items are now behind an achievement wall that you can only get by playing the game. So they've tried to address uh, the early concerns that that and and the balance system. Because the other thing was is if you got if you get similar cards, like if you get the same card. You would get your your biggest upgrade on the third card instead of the first card, so you'd have to get the the same card three times randomly to get the most upgrades. Instead of getting the biggest upgrade and then being able to use that card to form or or forge a different card or a special card. I'm sure someone's crunched the numbers on the likelihood of that actually happening. Yeah, I think they have, and they've really been listening. I mean, EA has been demonized. I don't, you know, I don't know EA as a person. I don't know how they interact with people or, if, you know, they definitely do not have a good track record and have tried to monetize everything possible and haven't even really put a lot of thought into whether or not it was a good idea sometimes. But, well, maybe they did and just thought we wouldn't notice. And that's even more dubious and even more, or I think, diabolical uh, or another D word that means evil. Ooh, diabolical. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, that just means that they are deliberately trying to to make money off of you, thinking you don't know better, even though it's not a good system and it's not fair. Um, I think this time they're actually listening, and hopefully this leads to some positive change where, you know, that, that it's a, a just a little bit more fair and it's not the, you know, you can't buy your way uh, to a powerful character, which, I mean, it just, you know... There are all kinds of things wrong with that. It just defeats the purpose of a complete game that I would have to buy a game and then spend more money to play the game. So, um, anyway. yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's so that's good. I guess it's good that they're actually doing that. Um, and the and the most power, as I said before, the most powerful items um, have to be earned. So to to level up your character to max your character out, you have to actually earn those items uh through playing so you can't buy those can't even get them in the in the loot boxes i guess i'm not sure uh, i haven't played the beta i am going to play the game but it doesn't come out till next month so yeah i haven't i haven't played it yet either not the beta or the actual game obviously it's and not you're probably not going to play you're probably not going to play it are you probably not you know i i, I don't have loads of time and i want to focus on you right. know, the biggest bang for the buck as far as the types of games that I enjoy. Fair enough. And it does have a single player, so I knew that was one of your concerns. Yeah, to be fair, I'd be more likely to play this one because of the single player element. Right. But but I really, I want another 
I want another Force Unleashed style game. I want another KOTOR. I don't want this sort of thing. I agree. You know what I mean? Yeah. If we could only get another like, KOTOR. I mean, what's up? Oh, my God. Could you imagine if they made, like, a KOTOR 3, KOTOR Unlimited, KOTOR, you know? <laughs> Do a continuation of one of the, a sequel to one of the games. You know, you didn't even have to be a new story. Although I would absolutely love that. Um, yeah, I mean that thing would sell. Uh, that thing, that thing would sell tremendously. Yeah, I mean, like it, just that. on just on name recognition. You know, don't even tell us anything about it. Just uh, I would buy it. Um, they shouldn't like announce it either. What they should do is they should make the old games like backwards compatible with the new X code. Yeah. And then they should just drop it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like drop it, let people freak out and like because it, the word would travel so quick. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they spend all this money advertising games, but if they gave us the games we all really wanted, they wouldn't have to spend a penny to advertise it. Like one person would see it on the shelf and job done. You know what I mean? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and I would buy it. No questions. Oh, percent. No you wouldn't. It, it could be stick figures called Code Door Three, and I'd probably still buy. Yeah, it. and I bet you the story would still be better than most games that are out there. So, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> well, I have one more piece of news I wanted to share before I get to some news I think that you will care about because this next one I'm pretty sure you don't. Um, the Super NES has a mini hack that has been uh, improved. How excited are you? Nope, don't care. Don't care. You don't care that you can put pretty much as many Super Nintendo games onto your mini Super NES as you possibly could want. Mm, nope. Whether it was legally dubious or not, it's possible. I'm super excited. Uh, not quite excited enough uh, to go out and purchase one, uh, but it's also because I would have to pay two or three times as much as what it's worth to actually get one right now. Because you can't find them in the stores, of course. Um, of and course. Only, yeah, and the only way to get them is to get them on eBay or they say the gray market. No, who, so. who, whoever does their global distribution needs to be fired. <laughs> I agree. but They're really bad at their job. And you you know this stuff you know, better than I. So, I, I mean, I can't imagine how you can get this, this wrong. Unless it's on purpose. They're doing it on purpose. Yeah. yeah, they're doing it on purpose. No one gets it that wrong because... The, the stores submit their forecast for the type of product that they want to stock in their shelves. So I'm pretty sure the stores aren't like, oh, yeah, only 10 people are going to want this. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll have 10, you know. Yeah, or four. So You're going to – you want 10, well, I'll give you three. Exactly. So, no, I'm, I'm sure the stores are quite keen on, on their demand. They know what the figures actually are, and they're just hyperinflating demand. But the reality of it is it just costs them money. Like, because anybody who buys it on eBay or whatever is paying three times as much. Right. You know, they could have just made it more expensive and made it available. You know what I mean? Right. But to me, it just seems like that you should lose some good faith with Nintendo. I mean, you already have lost it. I don't know that it was ever there. So much lower. Right. (laughs) And for for me, I mean... uh, I'm not quite where Daniel is in terms of, you know, my blind fanboyism, but I definitely have given them the benefit of the doubt many times when I just didn't think it through and say, man, this just doesn't seem right that they're able to do this. So I'm not saying that I would hack my NES if I got one. I'm just saying that you can. 
and there are plenty of places to find out how to do it. So, um, so, so do with that information what do you with will. that information what you will. Uh, now, the last little bit of news I wanted to talk about was about a man named Mike Laidlow. Do you know or Laidlaw? I apologize, and I may be getting his nope. name. Okay, well he is a veteran writer and the creative director for Mass Effect, Dragon Age, and Jade Empire. (gasps) He is leaving the company. Now what the hell? I know. Um, And uh, there isn't really a a reason. He's not given a reason why. He's been there uh, for a little over a decade. And... uh, he didn't give any reason as to as to why he was leaving the company. Just that you know he was leaving a company, uh, and um, there. I'm this sure we a, could guess why. Well, he's not the first one to leave in the upper management of of you know Bauer. So, you know the the idea that you know some of the more creative individuals for that company that have been involved in games like Mass Effect and Dragon Age have left. And EA is the publisher. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's there's a correlation. I don't know. Right now, it seems like there'd be a strong relationship. But maybe he just wants to do something else. But I thought you might be interested to know that one of the, you know, the chief driving forces and creative directors of some of your favorite games uh, is no longer affiliated with that company. Yeah, I'm not okay with that. Actually. <laughs> yeah. I feel like. It's just going to make the chance of having a good game even more impossible. Yeah, and the idea that there is a Dragon Age in the works right now. So, he's not at the helm. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not saying it's going to automatically be bad, but it just didn't seem like that is... That doesn't bode well, you know. So, uh, are there any games that are coming up? That uh, you'd be that you're interested. In. I know we that was one of our topics before, but there are some games being released this week that you uh, may be interested in. I don't know that you'll play them. You might rent. You might rent South Park. Yeah, uh, it it gets censored over here. Does it? Yeah, really badly as well. Like really heavily censored. Well, I mean, what would be in the game? It might just be a title screen. <laughs> You get one title screen, yeah, and a few curses. Yeah, it's really <laughs> weird because uh, television, as a general rule, is much less censored over here. Like, you know, there's there's really very few limits, but games for some reason seem to get the old bandstick more right. often than not. Well, uh, because they they say it's like some sort of like immersive media. You know what I mean? I guess. Uh, I'm not. I'm, that, I'm probably not the one to have that argument, so I don't know. Um, but that's interesting. Yeah, I, I, I guess is it is it worse in Australia? I've heard it's pretty bad there too. I well, think they have the same sort of censorship that we do. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, like I think it's so. all kind of the same because they're part of our Commonwealth. Yeah. So. Which is weird to imagine, but says Canada, actually. Not yeah. Think of yeah. Well, we yeah. we um we let babies carry guns, so we're, I guess, a little more less. I mean, you say that like I didn't live there for twenty five years. I know. Well, <laughs> things are getting better, so you know. <laughs> um, 
baby's concealed handgun. Baby's first concealed handgun is a new children's book. You can get on Audible. Baby's first concealed weapons permit. That's right. It's on audible.com. Check it out. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and then there, there is one other, uh, well, Super Mario Odyssey comes out in a couple weeks. I want to play that. And, um, and then there's one wrestling game that, that's coming out that I'd like to play as well. So, uh, no, Wolfenstein. That's what I'm waiting for. Oh, Wolfenstein. Yeah. Wolfenstein. Yeah, that's what I want. We need to kill some Nazis. That's right. <laughs> the universal enemy that is okay to kill. I mean, although everyone else recently got butthurt about it, but, you know, <laughs> I say Nazis are still fair game. I do, too. They may have feelings, but you can shoot them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that topic is brought to you by our sponsor, Audible.com. Reading is fun, and Audible has a great service that you should check out. Check out Audible's trial service by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and receive a free audiobook and 30-day trial to check out their service. Amanda, what is our recommendation this week? Uh, our recommendation this week is Cosmos by Carl Sagan, narrated by some of the best... Who narrated it? Uh, including LeVar Burton, LeVar Burton, Seth MacFarlane, and Neil deGrasse Tyson. Nice. So pretty much the greats. The greats of the greats. Um, and it is... It's um, Carl Sagan's um, like, journey through our planet, talking about how we're discovering our own identity and we're going into space. Um, it talks about the origin of life, the human brain, hieroglyphics, pretty much anything you'd like want to talk about as relates to modern science and space exploration, narrated by some badass ballas. So nice. <laughs> uh, it's 14 hours, 31 minutes, highly recommended, uh, and uh, it's available at the free trial. Thank you, Amanda. Well, that is that does sound interesting. I have uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson's other or another Cosmos book that he wrote uh, and uh and he narrates it. So you can head over to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast to get that free title now or choose from over 180,000 other titles today. Support us by heading to audibletrial.com slash Toddcast and get your free 30-day trial started today. Topic two, music. And I've made this topic, uh, or I, I thought about this topic today and had wanted to talk about it. So I've kind of, I guess I've, let a little bit of information out over the last few uh, episodes on some of my favorite uh, music and gaming, but I felt it deserved its own topic just because there's so much of it that I enjoy, and there's I think there's so much good gaming music uh, that I wanted to talk about it, and I, you know, I even wanted to talk about some of the best, the worst, uh, iconic music, any, uh, you know, gaming music memories that you might have, but, uh, so first, I'd like to, to ask you, like, what are some of the games that, that their music left an impression on you? That you just, it's music that you that you still hear. I know that you've mentioned Halo before um, mm. and the music that it, so before we get into, like, what is your favorite or, you know, the best music to you or your favorite music, what were some games that the music really stood out uh, the, or the first time that the music really stood out to you where you're like, oh, this is actually... This is actually making the experience better. Yeah. Well, 
I would say probably PlayStation era. Okay. The music wasn't really like what you would consider a full score. Right. It was mostly like theme music, level music. You know yeah. what I mean? It was yeah. more of a sound effect. Yeah. Um, and then when you go into the PlayStation area, era, you start to get actual soundtracks where there's a reoccurrent theme. Um, it doesn't, it, it's uh, situational based as, as opposed to level or episodic. Right. Um, today we're able to get more sophisticated with where you actually are in the game. Um, previous to that, you you completed any section of the game at any relative time, if you know what I mean. So yeah. they couldn't, it wasn't sophisticated enough to know exactly where the player was um, in order to trigger thematic event-based music, if, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So I think the technique from PlayStation Era on enabled better and more memorable game music. So even though there are many themes that are iconic, you know, Zelda, Mario, uh, Castlevania, those I don't think had external in you because of the technology that was available at the time so to both render the sounds and make them. Yeah. But once you start getting into PlayStation and beyond, not only is the technology more advanced and you can render the sounds, you know, in, in near perfect clarity, but you, the technology enables you to understand where the player is more precisely. So right. you could gate away, you know, music to a specific room or you could amp the intensity. You know, horror games got really good at doing this, you know, with, you know, music-based jump scares, similar yeah. to what you would get in any film. Um, and the technology enabled that, really. Yeah, I mean, and there's even some horror games like Silent Hill that would actually use the absence of sound or different sounds, like abstract noise um that was strategically meant to grate on your senses like the, like literally the sound of metal grating against metal or something like that and ramping that sound up as something horrible was about to happen that was inex you know unexplainable um in that game everything's unexplainable but um no i i agree uh, in that respect that uh, probably PlayStation era was where music first really, or I think Super Nintendo also. Super Nintendo PlayStation era for me uh, was where music really kind of started to change the way that I felt about the game. Like it, it actually improved my opinion of certain games. Now that isn't to say that there weren't games, like you said, that had more or less recognizable themes like Super Mario Brothers and Zelda and Metroid, which had a very, it's, it's difficult to really explain. It's kind of an, an electronic organic sound. Like it is electronic dance, but it's also like living. It's difficult to explain, but if you listen to the themes, they did that even with the polyphonic and, and the eight bits. And then as they got to Metroid prime and other things, it sounded like, um, very futuristic and, 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 you know, it definitely was, um, iconic's the wrong word. It just kind of defined that game, though. You could tell when I heard it, I knew it was Metroid. Um, and it, I'll always associate it with Metroid. Um, Final Fantasy 
on Super Nintendo, Final Fantasy II it was, I think, was the one where I would just listen to the intro theme. I might just turn the game on and listen, and, and even though I was about to play it, I'd let the intro theme play for a few minutes, just because I liked that music. It's It was just really pretty, it was, uh, and an enjoyable theme, and it, and it remained in some iteration throughout the rest of the Final Fantasies. So if you played another Final Fantasy, you would hear it, it might be a... You know, it might have been uh, revised a bit, but I'd always hear it uh, in the game. Uh, and then it, and then I guess it, you know, all the Final Fantasies up till about Chrono Trigger, made by the same company, they all had similar music. But I think it was probably Kingdom Hearts where I, where I heard the song uh, "Simple and Clean" that was at the beginning of the game that I actually went and bought. Like I actually went and bought that song. Um, or found it. Actually, I t- got it on LimeWire, so for whatever that's worth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you did. You didn't buy it. None uh, of us bought anything well, you in could, the late 90s, you early could 2000s. Get it. Uh, you know, you couldn't uh-huh. buy it anywhere. It was it was by uh, a Japanese artist that you just heard. There wasn't, a, there wasn't a service where you could purchase piecemeal their music. iTunes wasn't a thing like that um, then. Not, not at least in the way that it is now. Um, it, you, it's just not as ubiquitous, and you don't have every artist on there, where uh, you could kind of just, if you think of an artist or you hear of an artist, their music is probably on there for the most part. So anyway, uh, th- that was probably the first game where I was like, that is, that's music I'd listen to on my own. Like if I just wanted to put it on my iPod or something like that, I would do that. So that was that was kind of the the first. So what are some examples for you of, of some of your favorite, uh, some games where, you know, music has really enhanced it and, and it's still your favorite, like music that you would listen to? Um, well, I mean, I know we've spoken about it before, but you know, I keep going back to Halo. It's on a sleep playlist of mine that I like fall asleep to. Right. So, you know, it, it, is a constant part of my life. I think the original Halo theme, the fact that they've kept it running through now five different games plus a couple spinoffs. Um, yeah, I think means that it is still super relevant. It's a very impactful song. I think it changed the way everyone thought about games yeah. and like really brought kind of immersive futuristic storytelling to life because it was one of the first ones to use the full like audio range at the time of the original Xbox. I remember them talking about how they spent tons of money to record it and they had like proper symphony orchestra and things like that. You know what I mean? Like it had had never been done to that extent before. Not that I can recall. I mean, I could be wrong. Someone will definitely correct me in the comments of Anne, but, um, (laughs) To my memory, it was like it was a big deal, and people made a big deal out of it. Um, so, Halo is is one of the games for me. The second one, um, and I I mentioned it in fact last week even was uh, Skyrim. Uh, it's got a very good set of atmospheric collections. So you've got the main Skyrim thing like da 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 da, which we all know, right? Um, but even in the towns, each town has its own sort of atmospheric 
music and and sounds and whatever that go with that specific town um, that right. differentiate it between some of the other ones that you would experience on the map. So for several Dungeons and Dragons games in maybe 2010, 11-ish era, um, that was a, a big part of the soundtrack. You know, we used it for just about anything D&D related uh, at the time because it was it was relevant and once again a big symphonic orchestra sort of sound uh with um you know choral notes and kind of a gregorian chant feel even yeah. in places um so i would say that's another one that i've like used I, I suppose i was still gaming but outside of the original game that it came in yeah um so, so those are two that obviously you've heard before, but one I might not have ever mentioned, maybe out of, you know, mild embarrassment, but I feel after five years we've come to terms with it. Um, <laughs> I really enjoyed the soundtrack to Fallout 3, and really? I played a good majority of it at my wedding. Really? And no one knew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, because really a lot of it is... Yeah, a lot of them are just like legitimate songs from the, you know, 40s and 50s. Yeah. So you wouldn't know necessarily where they came from. Um, but yeah, I had a, a 1950s rat pack style wedding. Uh, and I played pretty much every song from, uh, the, the radio station in Fallout 3 at my actual wedding. Very nice. So. Yeah. Uh, fun fact. Nerd. He says you don't learn things here. <laughs> and uh, the Retro Rebel, absolutely. Um, well, you know, for me, I, I actually had a hard time limiting my list because I did have like five or six games that I really thought that highly of the music and that I still continue to listen to it or I seek out the music. Or music that has kind of just struck me over the years and I was like, man, this is... This is different enough, and I just I'm kind of just sitting here listening to the music and and uh, interested to see how they did it or what was the thought behind this. The uh, you know Silent Hill has very uh, very distinct music in all of its games, um, but there's a there's a song which actually has lyrics to it. It's it's uh, you're not here. I think it's in Silent Hill three. Uh, it has a very blue oyster cult feel to it. But the theme of it is, or don't fear the reaper anyway, uh, and uh, which nice. is, yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely appropriate for the for the game. Um, but the intro to the to that particular game uh, is also to me something. It's atmospheric. It's something that I kind of sit in the background while I'm working, uh, or if I'm sitting at my desk. Uh, so that's solid. All of the Silent Hill music I really enjoy, uh, even the weirder ones, which I can just kind of keep in the background again. Uh, Dark Wizard, a game that I've listed on here multiple times, is one of my feature favorites. Uh, I actually have that music on a playlist. Every one of the songs, including the intro, it's it's kind of what Skyrim would have probably been 20 years ago, like how they would have done that music. Uh, it's so it's de- it's definitely doesn't have the production quality, but it's it's very grand. It's very, uh, especially the beginning, uh, there, but there's also a little bit of guitar to it, so it's got a, right. a, it's got a fantasy anime feel to it as well. So, um, 
but I but I really enjoy it. And each one of the characters, you got four characters, and each one of them has their own theme music. The theme music plays during your turn, and so and your turn can take you know fifteen minutes or so, or you know ten minutes uh, of that music playing. If it was terrible, it would grate on you very quickly, you know. And so it's something that if it if it wasn't done well, yeah, it would make that game unplayable. And each one of the characters has a pretty good soundtrack, has a pretty good theme music. Uh, and and uh, then when it switches over to the enemy, they have their own music, so that plays. And so all of the music I thought was really enjoyable, and that was one of that's one of my favorites. Um, World of Warcraft, much like Skyrim. Every city has its own music, and they did. They've gone so far as if you go into Lordaeron or Undercity, and you, if you know the lore of how everything that happened with Arthas, and when Arthas kills his father, and all these other things, and you go into the throne room, if you stay there long enough, you'll actually hear. You'll actually hear the conversation. What happened between him and his dad? It's in the background of the music as it plays. Um, there are certain dungeons that have j- just ethereal atmospheric sounds where you'll hear people screaming because you're in this grotesque dungeon where people have been tortured and torn apart and recombined to make yeah. zombies. Yeah, but you'll hear them. You'll hear these screams, but again, it's so far in the background that you'd have to really sit and listen to it to get it. Um, See, that's weird because I played World of Warcraft for years and I, I wouldn't remember a single... Yeah, and that's the a thing. It's like I don't rem- I don't remember, and I don't necessarily listen to the music per se. Like it's not it's not music I have on in the background. But when I when I actually listen to it, stripped away from the game, and I'm listening to just you know just the music, and I've isolated it, I can appreciate it. And I and I haven't done that very often. But when I was researching this topic, I actually started doing that. So I listen to the music in the Exodar. I listen to the music in Gilneas and Stormwind and and all of these and and they did have their own sounds their own feel and the intro Warcraft Call to Arms uh, music is is very much like Skyrim it's high production quality orchestral music um, and it's just done really well and uh, and I and because it's so diverse and that everything seems to have its own personality if you're just in the world and you're running across uh, the the crossroads or, or you're, you know, you're in, uh, oh, where is it? It's, it's in, uh, Eridor. Basically you're running across the plains and it has music that just seems like it fits for someone who might just be running across the plains with a bunch of animals that are running around. And, uh, so that they, they do a good job of creating an atmosphere there. So I think world of Warcraft definitely deserves a nod. Um, Pyre came just caught me by surprise, and when I listened to the the music for Pyre, I know, I know, it actually, if you were to buy the the deluxe edition or whatever, you get the soundtrack. So they would. For those you. of you that can't see my face, I'm sure we're all tired of hearing about Pyre. She's a, she rolled Pyre. her eyes so so hard it almost hung the phone up. So Skype almost <laughs> ended because of it. Um, but it is true, and I and I do. Uh, I do love that game. I do love that game, and I do love the music. Um, in the game, you can actually go in and play the tracks. So while you're in your cabin or whatever, your little your little uh, caravan, 
you can go in and actually play all the musical tracks. And so, and I, there's a ton of them. I mean, there's probably there's there's over twenty, thirty tracks that you can uh, that you can play. And there's an art book, and and you can get the entire soundtrack if you buy the game. Uh, if you buy the the deluxe edition of the game, which I didn't do because I didn't have the money for it. But now I kind of wish I did because I I do enjoy that music a lot. Um, but what I think is probably my favorite music and my favorite song from music is the intro to The Last of Us. Um, that is my favorite. Oh man. That is my favorite uh, music in gaming. Um, it is a solo guitar, and it is—it's got this Spanish feel to it. It is badass. Like it is bad. I'm gonna play this game. I'm going to. <laughs> it might be like a generation from now. Right. So I'm gonna get my hands on a PS4 and I'm gonna play this game. When Rocky <laughs> Five Thousand comes out, and uh, yes, we will. I know. <laughs> like I finally played The Last of Us. That guitar song is amazing. You were right. Uh, exactly. So <laughs> it, it the player still sucks. <laughs> oh, I, oh, yeah. And it probably isn't like uh, I mean it may be critically being received well, but I don't know how well it's selling. And and anytime I've mentioned Pyre to anybody, they're like, what? So, yeah. If you I, like it, that's all that matters. I like stupid true. games all the time. Oh, it we is my, this. Yes, this was you probably know. I should have. If it wasn't on the list of uncool games, it will be. It it, it is on that list of uncool games. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so all of that. Mass Effect's got good music in the background. I mean, that's that's music that I listen to. Uh, you know, just when you're around the console and you've got that really low-key electronic music in the background that's just kind of setting the tone for being on your ship um all that was good too so i like that but last of us definitely takes the the top spot for me i did have a couple worst music mentions i wanted to make uh, i didn't know if you had any that just was like god this is fucking terrible you know this is awful oh trust me i do Okay, I good. Do. well tell me some of your uh just choices for just awful music in gaming trying to do too many things at once you know what i mean yeah uh, i'm trying to find where i let me my notes okay right 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 okay <laughs> I'm ready, I'm ready. here we go <laughs> here we go here we go all right so um so i i'm gonna do it from my least offensive to like most offensive okay so when you're playing magic the gathering yeah there is like like a drone in the matches like it's like a drone sound. It's, you know, it's supposed to be ethereal. It's supposed to be like the kind of music that you get when you're just chilling on your ship in Mass Effect. But it's like, because you spend so much time in matches and things like that, and you need to consider your moves as well, it becomes an annoying drone to me. Right, um, right. And so I ended up turning off the uh, everything but just the sound effects whenever I play in fact, any card game now, I've found after a while, the music becomes an irritation. Right. 
for any sort of deck-based game. I don't know. Do you play with the music on in Hearthstone? Okay. Okay, I will. I will play <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't know. I don't even know who said that. Hmm. Hmm. Um, but I just find anything where you've got to spend a lot of time in a single screen usually right. means you're getting the same music. Um, and that can be, you know, super irritating. So, um, uh, that's, that's my least offensive is Magic the Gathering specifically, but generally card based games, if they have music in their multiplayer, uh, or in their, in their matches, it can be a bit much. Right. So you spend a lot of time listening to the same thing. Yeah. Um, the, the second one, for the same reason, because you spent a lot of time, is specifically the planet scanning music from Mass Effect. (laughs) I probably heard that for a hundred hours. That's not, I mean, I was determined to scan every planet, uh, in every star system, and I did, and I've done in every game where that function has been available. Um, and that, you know like that yeah. got so annoying you know <laughs> to the point where i'm like just zoom in already zoom in <laughs> um so yeah I, I would say they should have had more than one track for that, that sort of thing you know what i mean they could have really varied that up and made it a better experience than it was it just became super repetitive so that is my number two most egregious music-based irritation. Nice. And then the last one is a bit out of left field, but for anyone who watches a lot of Jim Sterling, you'll be familiar with the soundtrack to The Slaughtering Grounds, <laughs> which is now almost a meme in itself, which I know you watch a lot of Jim Sterling, so like right now, I know you're like picturing it like beep, 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 you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. you can imagine it. And it's awful. Um, and it, it's also become a meme as well. I feel like he could just play that song without even referencing it, and his entire fan base would know exactly. I mean, and it's awful music as well. It's just a MIDI loop, like, over and over and over. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's become iconically bad to go with an iconically bad. So those would be my picks for the worst things I never want to hear again. Slaughtering grounds, top of that list because it's just awful. Yeah, no, that's uh, that is a solid list. Um, you know, for this topic or this part of the topic, I really had to go research because I was having trouble racking my brain for music that was just annoying. Um, because most games that I've played, and if I had any fond memories of it, I couldn't remember bad music. You know, uh, although I would have to agree with you on the Mass Effect planet scanning. Um, and in the first games, whenever that was the thing for you to get resources off the planets, I did every planet as well. You know, I got our ship, your ship up to as high as I possibly could for preparation or whatever. And, um, yeah, and so, I think it was in two, actually. Yeah, I in think you're right. Two yeah. when they started doing it. Because on the first one, you actually went to the planets, and that's where you fought the big worms yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah, and there wasn't there wasn't many planets either, so no, you didn't yeah. get much. And every planet was uh, the same. So, um, essentially, well, for me, and when I got to thinking about it, as much as I liked Oxenfree, there is some music on there that, um, I actually, I hit start cause I had to do something and the music plays in the background and I got up and I walked out and my wife came in from the other room and she was like, Oh my God, what is that sound? Like 
she was going to hit the TV with a chair or something, whatever would get it to stop. And I came back in. I said, <laughs> what's so wrong with it? You know, what's bad? Because it, it wasn't really bothering me because I guess I wasn't listening to it. It was kind of a drone in the background. But the more I listened to it, the more I was like, oh, my God, you were right. This is like. I think it's purposefully annoying. It's like they played music that if you sat and you let it, it could, it's like an earwig, you know, it would drive you crazy. It's like, it just gets no. in your head. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's not on the whole game. It's only on certain screens or certain levels. Um, so like I said, the game is great. The game is fantastic. And the story is really interesting and, and definitely something that Amanda won't play, but it is a, it is there is some music in that game that I think is is uh, a little over the a little over the top uh, and a little just a little too much the the electronic sound it's it's uh, it's not music it's meant to be it's meant to be like a noise I think like a background noise and so not just a, not a good one either I think there's a purpose for why it is so bad and annoying um, I don't think you're meant to stay on that screen long enough for it to really get to you but. It did. I don't think they want you to do that. <laughs> exactly. So we didn't mean for him to do that. And he killed his family. Um, so after that, I had a hard time. I really couldn't think of any, uh, I couldn't think of any bad music, you know, uh, or really bad. So I had to go research out of all the games, like what was some of the worst music. And I, so I looked up some lists that other people had made, some of which I didn't agree with and some of I did. But there were two games that I was reminded I played and had some just terrible music. Um, the first one I want to mention, one of two, is the crazy Chocobo music from Final Fantasy XIII-2. Uh, basically, they took a theme that was pretty iconic to the Chocobo. Whenever you get on the Chocobo, which for those that don't know, I mean, how do you not know this? But for Amanda, uh, it is the big bird that you jump on. It is your ride. Uh, so it's kind of like your mount. It's I the know only... what it looks like. It's, it's just the lamest thing I've ever it's... heard of. I know, but if you have this like childhood attachment to the Chocobo, like I do. I mean, childhood, you were easily in your teens. Well, easily. Played... Childhood. <laughs> Lots of, yeah. Like I said, you know, when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? 16, 17, maybe the 13, let's see, memories. maybe 15, yeah, I'm trying to think of when Final Fantasy 3 came out, and I was probably 14 or 15, so, I don't know, I don't there's know. no chance you're that young, I'm gonna Google it, but go on, uh, you're probably right, um, I think Final Fantasy 2, and I'm trying to think of when Chocobos actually came in to play anyway, and it may have been later than that, uh, but yes, go ahead and do the research while I finish this, 1990, um, Okay, 1990, I was 13. Oh. Do the math at home, folks. <laughs> um, I <yeah>. was not. <laughs> I was a legitimate <laughs> child who would have had legitimate childhood memories. I was technically a, just was a teenager. So. Um, <laughs> no. So, I, I'd be surprised if I could talk. <laughs> well, the the... The music was ruined by adding a, a heavy metal sound uh, background to it. So basically, they took what was kind of a fantasy, fun, whimsy. Nothing is ruined by heavy metal. Nothing this, ever. This was. 
If you listen no. to it, it is so out of place in the game. It's like it's the only time that you have heavy metal, and it's when you're on this chocobo. And it's not like the chocobo is going super fast like Sonic the Hedgehog. He floats around as it flies, and it doesn't really run that fast. So you just have heavy metal for what seems to be no apparent reason. And the lyrics to the song, you're, you're right. You're probably right. Well, in this instance, the, the reason is Chocobo, and the lyrics are Chocobo, and everything is about riding your Chocobo. And it's like, if it is, this is the most, this is the, the most lame heavy metal song ever. That, I think we can agree on. When you hear it, if you hear it, it is lame. Super lame. Crazy Chocobo. Final Fantasy thirteen two. Check it out. Awful. I mean, I am not going to. So, Good. just so you know. Good. <laughs> but my most egregious uh, candidate for this particular uh, category is it has to be Night Trap. And I wish Daniel was on here so I could bust his balls about this because this is awful. Um, Night Trap, for anybody that doesn't know, this is this was a, a live motion captured. Well, it wasn't even motion captured. It was, it was filmed much like Sewer Shark was on the Sega CD. It was one of the first games that came out on Sega CD. And basically, you were supposed to be, I guess, you're running security for this house of women who are having a slumber party with these other two guys that are at the house. <laughs> yeah, that sounds legitimate. Oh, it's it sounds legit. like an excuse for men to film women having like a slumber party. Well, what, the, when I was watching it now, when I was watching the for the research for this, of course, for research... Um, for research thinking, purposes. For research purposes. When I was watching it today, I said, I bet you none of the actors in this knew what this was going to be. Like, they were filmed for this. They're like, this is my big break. You know, I'm going to get into acting. I'm going to get into, you know, whatever movie this is going to be, you know, my entry point for that. They didn't know it was going to be on a Sega CD game that just blew. It was terrible. And... So the scene in question, uh, it's it's basically the Night Trap theme song. I think the song is called Night Trap. I don't know that for a fact. I do know that it is a lyric in the song. So that leads me to believe the song is called Night Trap. And basically you have all these girls who are sitting in the living room having what I think guys think a slumber party looks like. And so they're all kind of wearing clothes that you wouldn't sleep in, but it doesn't cover everything. So they're wearing like tank tops that are like cut off in the at, at the midriff, and a sports bra. And I mean, like, that's what I sleep in and short, every well, day. I think guys think this is how it's supposed to look, and but their hair's done perfectly and their makeup's done perfectly, you know. Um, I mean, I also sleep in a full face of makeup. Full that face, doesn't give you the or anything. First. Right, exactly. So of course, of course. Uh, and your hair was the '80s as well. Didn't they have like big, like feathered hairdos and everything with the feathered bangs? Well, it may really? have been worse because it was early '90s, and so this so... hair was worse. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so one of the girls gets up and the music's playing and she's doing the best '80s, early '90s shit dance, and she's she grabs a tennis racket to play guitar, and. So she's playing guitar, and she starts to lip-sync to this fake song, Night Trap. And then they all get up, and they dance in a funk circle. And uh, and while you're you in the background playing this, this quasi-game, you're having to check other rooms to see what's make sure that people haven't 
whatever the night trap people that sneak in and kill all the girls. You're trying to make sure that they didn't do that. But in this instance, you're not checking any of the rooms. You're just watching them in the living room. Um, but the song is terrible. The music is just fucking awful. It's the worst. And it's definitely, in my opinion, the worst theme song to a game. If that, if this is, in fact, a game theme song. Um, so you should check it out as well. Night Trap. Theme song, Night Trap. Uh, yeah, I won't be doing that. As an embarrassment. Yeah, it'll be time you won't get back, and you should just be angry <laughs> you did if you did it. Uh, I am. So, Well, any final thoughts before we go into our featured favorites? Well, um, I The only thing that I was thinking is while we were talking about this, you realize none of us mentioned any proper franchises in this. Like, this as far true. as uh, movie to game franchises. Because I think... We both subconsciously agreed that's cheating. Like, yeah. I'm not going to lie. You know, when I was playing Star Trek online, every time the Star Trek theme came on, I got a nerd boner. I'm not going to lie. I'm a nerd. Right. Well, like, Star Wars I'm into as well. it. Yeah. Exactly. But that is that doesn't count as video game music because it was part of another franchise first. So I think we both agreed that that was the ground rules. And neither of us mentioned any right. existing <laughs> franchise. That already had, you know, because you could do Friday the 13th as well. That wouldn't be fair. Like, that music is iconic, and it was iconic before it came to video games. So I appreciate that we both managed to keep those ground rules without even trying. Absolutely. No, that was subconsciously. I didn't even think about that, actually. So. Yeah, because it, it's not video game music. It was movie music first. Right, right. So it, it definitely would be cheating. 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 Well, what is your featured favorite? What's that? So, my favorite for today is... I'm telling you my featured favorite. Um, Left for Dead, I think? My featured favorite is the four-person shoot-em-up zombie apocalypse multiplayer game that I these different characters everybody was equally as powerful um, you know I, I felt like you had to stick together and you had to communicate otherwise you couldn't even get past like 10 minutes of the mission much less complete it um, and it was one of the few games that I felt was truly good as a multiplayer experience in total, you know, um, yeah. and I, you know, I played the second one as well. It was just as good. So, um, firmly in a featured favorite, Left for Dead, excellent game, best example of the genre, um, and a really fun multiplayer experience. Man, I really, that is a game that I wish I had played, uh, when it came out. And, uh, cause I had a couple friends that wanted to play it. And I feel like that was when it's shined the best, or at least that's what I've heard. Uh, and it did a good job of that multiplayer thing. That's why, this is also why I really want to play Friday the 13th. I think that it's another one of those games that, uh, is best played and really, I mean, you can really only play it as a multiplayer, but to do it with friends, it's an only multiplayer experience, but a very unique experience. And I think that would be a lot of fun. So that's a good choice. Uh, I haven't played it yet, but it is one that I always wanted to, um, for me, I actually went back a bit, and uh, I'm—I don't know if this is cheating. Amanda will let me know. 
but I am I'm going to choose Doom um, for my featured favorite this week, and I'm gonna I'm really going to make it both games Doom on the PC that originally came out that kind of started everything, and then the one that was released on Xbox uh, One uh, because it's a reimagining, but it's also a really good game. Now I only played it for a little bit because I did as as a, as you say, Amanda, and I rented it and played it just to see if I wanted to buy it. That's yeah. what we want. That's I what you should do. I know. And uh and I started playing it and I'd only heard good things and you know, uh Jim Sterling really liked it and we talk about him a lot on this show, but he's not the only one. I mean it was pretty well critically uh received pretty well received critically. But the first Doom is what got me into it. It's probably one of the first, whatever you want to call, if you want to call it a, uh, it's not really a horror game, but you do, if you know the Lord, you know what's really going on, which I didn't connect that when I was playing it back then. Because I think it came out in 94, 95 on PC. I think it was on like 17 floppy disks and that you had to load onto your computer. <laughs> something like that. Um, but it did have some of those you know, terrifying, at least at the time, uh, sequences where you open 1993. Okay. 1993. Well, I didn't play it until 94. Um, cause that was when we got our first computer. God, I'm so old. And, uh, we got our first computer and uh, we all we, are me. I know. And we got, we got doom on it. And so me and my brother would play it all the time. And it's, I mean, it was one of the, it was one of the first PC games I really played, uh, that you couldn't play anywhere else. I mean, I'd played Oregon Trail and other stupid games on where in where in the world is Carmen San Diego. Uh, but it, it, with this particular game, you know, there was it, you you have this descent into hell and you're fighting all of these demons and it's everything's being thrown at you. You're basically just playing the game, running backwards, shooting at everything, and just running that backwards. That sounds right. All the, That's all you need. That's all you need, yeah. And uh, trying to find health and whatever else, and you're just getting bombarded and, and uh, trying to funnel all the enemies through one doorway so that you can actually win. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, and, and so anyway, it was... Uh, it got me hooked on the series. I didn't play Doom 3 when it came out, or even Doom 2. Um, but uh, But it wasn't because I didn't want to. It was just either I had other things going on in my life or whatever, and I just never got back to it. But when Doom was released... I was like, well, just because the graphics were upgraded, Doom 3, to me, wasn't as much fun. I played it on PC a little bit and, and played it with my friends. It wasn't what I remembered. It was like a... It just seemed like it had lost... Um, and maybe it was because of the graphical upgrades. It was just there to be horrible and terrifying and jump scares and all this other stuff, stuff which isn't fun to me. And there are those things in Doom, in the new iteration, but it's it's got some humor in it. It also is you are kind of a badass Marine. Uh, you're Duke Nukem without any voice. Um, and I do love Duke Nukem. I'm one of the few people that still love the new Duke Nukem. <laughs> really? Yeah, I did. Well, I felt like they did a decent job of kind of uh, just making this Marine be, you know, you know, kick-ass and out of bubblegum and that whole thing. So, uh Anyway, so Doom is my pick, and I and I kind of wanted to put that together with the old Doom, the original Doom, and then uh, the new iteration that came out on Xbox, Xbox One. 
X-Bone. X-Bone. I'm proud that you rented something, though. I feel like that needs to be shouted to the mountaintop. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. Good job for renting. We don't have to pay 60 quid for every game we want to play. I know. I need to be smarter with my monies. I have kids. Um, Just think how much many more games you could play as well. You can play six games for the price of one. It's just ridiculous. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion. All the notes from this week's episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. Any questions or comments, feel free to email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. And head over to iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you download and rate us, because that really helps our show. Until next time. See you later.